You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this afternoon. Let's welcome back to the studio Karen Co for this week's Agenda Cafe. How are you doing, Karen? I'm great, Noreen. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Sort of on lockdown. I on know a- it's like very socially isolating these days, isn't it? I know. Yeah. I actually miss having sort of guests in our Kowloon Tong studio so much. Yes, exactly. We're sort of there alone, just just, just talking on the phone. And, yeah. Exactly. Well, we're bringing a big topic to our listeners today. A serious topic as well. Yeah, this is a very serious one. Um, we're talking about sexual violence, um, mostly sexual violence against women, unfortunately, which is once again in the spotlight after the recent sentencing of sexual predator and Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein and the hanging last week of the four men who were convicted uh, of the rape and murder of a 23-year-old female student on a moving bus uh, in Delhi, which happened back in 2012. And that was a case known as the Nabaya case. So so those four men were actually um, served justice just a, a week ago uh, for that crime. So of course, these are really high profile cases, which, which captured global attention. But sexual violence um, happens everywhere, every day, um, including here in Hong Kong. So we really want to talk about sort of, you know, how how do we change that? How do we raise awareness? And why does this continue to happen? Um, so we've got two guests joining us to, to help us talk about that. Uh, delighted to be joined in the studio by Philip Bay, who is Associate Professor in the Department of Pathology at the University of Hong Kong. And Dr. Bay has been studying the issues surrounding sexual assaults in Hong Kong and also working to advocate um, for the improvement of services to victims. And we also have Dorian Lau, who's China researcher from Amnesty International. So welcome to both of you to the Agenda Cafe. Glad to be here. Hi. Thanks for coming in. So um, right at the top, Dr. Bear, if we start with you, you know, when we when we hear about um, sexual violence, you know, usually people think of rape, first of all, and, and assault. But there are many other forms of sexual violence. Can you sort of give us a what is the definition of sexual violence and the range of behaviors? Well, sexual violence in terms of definition is broad. So is any violence against an individual that has a sexual connotation. Uh, obviously, rape would be right at the top of the list, but you could have rape murder even. Uh, then homosexual rape now, as it's called, and falling from that, you know, a variety of other uh, things, incest, uh, child sexual abuse, um, forced uh, oral penetration, forced anal penetration, and then down to various forms of indecent assault. Uh, But let's not forget, you have a whole spectrum of sexual harassment, uh, be it at work or at school or even amongst friends, I suppose. Yeah. So really anything that makes someone feel sexually um, threatened or violated or uncomfortable falls Mm. under that behavior. Yes. Okay. So do you think that, you know, in Hong Kong, there is enough awareness of when someone has crossed a boundary, crossed a line and and may have perpetrated one of these behaviors? I I think to some extent, the the awareness is there, is the reaction to it that's different. Uh, we, We still appear to be very timid, even from the perspective of the victims. Uh, But even in how uh, organizations or institutions respond uh, 
um, if you look at it hard enough, they will all say, oh, yeah, we have procedures in place. But how are those procedures actually being implemented? Uh, say students at universities are told, oh, you can lodge a complaint. But the complaint procedures are so serious, so demanding. It's, it's very discouraging, really, to do it. And then it takes a long, long time. Let's talk about sort of this uh, reporting procedure then. What have you heard then, Professor Bay? I mean, what is the process usually? There's a perpetrator, there's a victim. Do they get reported to HR or to their bosses? or to, How does it work? Well, that, that's, uh, again, interesting. So, uh, say, for example, taking a university. So universities now, or, or certainly the one, my, my university, uh, have so-called appointed uh, harassment officers. Uh, supposedly at departmental level. So individual could go to them privately to talk about an uncomfortable situation. Are they professors? Are they... Um... Uh, generally they are, uh, but they don't have to be. Uh, how, question here already is, well, how well trained are those individuals? Mm. Or have they been volunteered for a job that they really don't want to do? Okay, so you have that. And from there, it's supposed to flow uh, to university equal opportunity office where there's a trained individual who, who deals with that or a sexual harassment officer. Well, let's go back a little bit. Mm. Are these sort of appointed um, people, are they being trained? Is there any proper training in place at HKU? Well, the, the, the training generally would be seminars and, and, and issues like that, but uh, there's no compulsory attendance. So you mm. don't have to have been trained to become one. Oh, so goodness. that that's a catch, sure. isn't it? Yeah. So then they wouldn't have any experience of actually dealing with a victim either. E exactly, exactly. But yeah. then at least they have somebody there yeah. as well. You know, there might be some other organisations or other universities who may not even have that sort of. I, I don't know for yeah. a certainty whether all uh, institutions actually have in place at least a procedure or a structure. Dorian, what about you? Have you heard of any sort of uh, procedures or, or sort of uh, how to report uh, these cases at? universities or other organizations? Mm. Um, I think in general for uh, uh, universities in Hong Kong, um, we did uh, come across cases of, um, for example, uh, LGBTI community, you know, when they encountered some uh, uncomfortable experience and when they went to their teachers or just anyone really in the university trying to seek help, oftentimes they, they felt that the person who was talking with them did not understand the experience and that they and sometimes you know there are other problems also if people are in the closet then they may not feel comfortable to talk about it in the university yeah, yeah. well and, perhaps sometimes because these people didn't have the training or mm. didn't attend to the training and they yeah. don't know what to say in mm. these situations that, that's even a, a more difficult situation to deal with than your straightforward you know sexual well, because indecent get, assault or sexual mm, harassment right, yeah. because of, of that closet nature of yeah. it. All. And it's more sort of confidential, yeah. it's added yeah, layer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Dorian, I mean, after the whole Me Too movement, mm. we all thought, you know, okay, great, things will change, companies will in, either introduce or enforce mm. policies. Is Has anything changed much, do you think, since Me Too? Well, if, um, in Hong Kong, I think that um, there's definitely more awareness. Actually, also for mainland China, you know, most people are talking about it. But in terms of, you know, when a, a 
person um, who is in a situation of you know sexual violence or domestic violence, you know, some a lot oftentimes they are multi-layered. You know, they happen at the same time. Um, I, I agree with Dr. Bay that training is extremely important because even with all this discussion, if a police officer or a um, officer work, or a person working in a university, uh, if that person doesn't know how to deal with these uh, complaints or how to actually identify, not dismissing these allegations, then the person will still, um, the, the survivor will still have to go through a lot of difficulty just in order to be able to, um, you know, uh, hurt to be seen. Yeah. yeah, what sorts of difficulties? Um, say, for example, in mainland China, I think one big thing is oftentimes police officers don't um, see it as a public matter. They don't think that the police have to deal with it. So when um, uh, when people call the police, they will say, "Oh, you know, just talk to your husband or talk to talk to your wife. You know, you just 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 fix it." It's um, because there's this um, saying in Chinese that is, you know, it's a something behind the family, the home mm. doors. So just deal with it at home. Um, so this is something very. Um, very common, yeah. Yeah, um, Professor Bay, you also work closely with Rain Lily as well, and you help them uh, conduct uh, some research yeah. uh, as well. Tell us about that. What, what was your involvement with uh, Rain Lily? By the way, Rain Lily is an NGO here in Hong Kong that uh, deal with. Uh, it's a one-stop sort of crisis management uh, for for rape victims, uh, for people dealing with uh, sexual violence. Uh, sort of, what's your involvement uh, with this NGO? Well, uh, I actually uh, got involved way before it was formed uh, together with a few of the ladies we were talking about these issues and subsequently uh, we were fortunate to get Rain, Rain Lee started uh, no, the, the journey has not been easy uh, funding has always been a problem um, uh, lately fortunate in the sense that there's community chest support but it's still not being funded by government for example um, the issue, the the problem really is, despite us working at this for now almost twenty years, I've not really seen major improvements uh, either in how society views uh, sexual violence, being very open about it. Uh, I've certainly not seen improvements in education at school for kids. In school, we're not being yeah. taught that at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an uh, excellent. Or, or not only not being taught, actually, uh, uh, our volunteers have actually been refused permission to go to schools to talk about uh, these issues. Uh, so you you have those as well. Um, uh, what are they worried about? <laughs> what will be the reason? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. What's the reason well, to the, stop these? Some sort of- some of them are. Allegedly religious schools, so they right. don't want you to talk about sex. sex. Yes, at all. Yes, <laughs> at all. Yeah, uh, but no, it, it's crazy. Uh, the other issues I have is also with uh, the professional services. Despite working uh, at it and being pushing them for how services could be improved over the last twenty years, we're not really getting anywhere. We, we're getting better cooperation, perhaps from individuals but uh, not from institutions mm. so the hospital authority the department of health social welfare department mm. they know about us they know about the problems they are dealing with the problems yet there's no will to sort of come together and make it better i mean the, the model for a ideal service provision it's not new. It's been around for 30 years now. 
and we're not prepared to do it. And let's not forget how traumatic it is to experience mm. sexual violence or, or rape, you know, mm. and to, to make life that much harder, mm. um, to not be able to report it in a proper mechanism mm. is just more stressful. It, that- it, it's crazy because the worst thing is we're rich. We're not poor. Exactly, <laughs> yes. What, what would the service providers need to do to come up to at least a, a better standard that, that would help victims? Oh, oh, the standards are reasonably okay. Uh, it's uh, building walls, basically. So my colleagues, so um, doctors in forensic pathology, they're very good at collecting evidence. If a case is reported to the police, they are refusing to get involved if uh, the case is not reported, mm. uh, which still baffles me. Uh, no. Which is 90% of cases. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so you you have that. And then the other issue is, um, apart from collecting evidence, you may need to provide health care, health advice, uh, provide access. And they don't want to do that either. So to, to get that service, we then have to turn to A&E doctors. Can we actually talk about the procedure? And I hope none of the listeners have to ever go through this. But, you know, let's say we are in the this situation where we've just been raped, mm. you know, and you're in total shock. I mean, where do you go from here? Do you go to the police first? Do you go to the hospital first? Um, a lot of the times, you know, you're just in complete shock. What, yeah. what, what are you supposed to do? Well, if, if you manage to have a... A, a, a number to Rain Lily's hotline, I would say call them first, yes. mm. but uh, generally most people don't. Okay, uh, Although Rain Lily does have a web page and all that. Um, so in Hong Kong, the tendency is to trust the healthcare system. So a lot of people would go to A&E, to a hospital. Unfortunately, uh, A&E doctors actually don't see that many rape cases. So none of them are experienced uh, to deal with it. So they instantly would have to go to their protocol book. And in there, they would be mentioned, or or contact uh, Rain Lily if uh, the victim is willing, or contact Social Welfare Department if the victim is willing. Oh, that's So so in the hospital, they link back to Rain Lily. They do. Uh, There's that option. But that's Uh, kind of shocking that the doctors don't really know what to do. Well, that, that's the issue. Uh, if you look at the numbers in Hong Kong, the numbers of recorded reported rape mm. is slightly over 100 cases a year. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, quoting your, your percentage earlier, if that's 10%, so we have about 1,000 cases floating out there. Mm. Uh, Ray Lily's experience is we get... Um, maybe uh, twice more would come and seek help. So there's a huge proportion that's not getting help, not letting anyone know about what's happened. Right. And and that's the worry. And do you think the reasons for that are the shame of all involved or just, you know, they're... Uh, embarrassed. Uh, I mean, also the other thing is the research that that mm. you did with Rain Lily shows that over eighty percent of the rape cases, uh, the victims knew the perpetrator. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but society's views generally. So there, there's a huge taboo about, uh, you know, the, she being a victim. 
you you sort of wonder why, uh, if you were robbed or if you're victim of a traffic accident, there's there, there's no there's taboo no stigma, about yeah. it. Yeah, you can say yeah, someone mm. crashed into me. Yeah, yeah. but uh, with with sexual violence, it, it's it's very touch and go. Um, is that so, victim shaming? You know, what did you do to? What to, were you wearing? It, it, were you drinking? Yeah. It, you're very right. Instinctively, there is that question: Why did you do that? Mm. Why did you walk down that alley? Or why were you out so late at night? Or why were you drinking? Yeah. So all, all these questions instantly pop in. So much so that um, even in my training with, with doctors, I, I, I remind them, no, think about your own views about these things and then adjust mm. yourself when you're dealing with this case if you want to get involved. With cases like that, because it, it actually caused a lot of harm. I, imagine the victim having been raped, going to see a professional who she would expect would be understanding and knowledgeable, and the first thing is, really, why did you do that? No. So the judgment sort of instantly, comes, in, yeah, 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 automatically. And and then as far as um, you were saying before, I- improving services mm. what what could be done to make everything run smoother and 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 encourage more more people to come and report mm. um the crime yeah we we do that but uh so we encourage them to come forward we basically say we're not forcing you to make a police report if you don't want to because the outcomes of a police report may not necessarily be favorable uh, in terms of conviction um mm. So our conviction rate for rape is perhaps slightly higher than the UK currently, about 7%. So 100 cases are reported, 7 gets convicted. Why is that? Why is it so low? Well, a good half of them disappears at the police stage. So the police says, well, there's not enough evidence. the whole situation we don't think uh, is, is going to get go forward because we're not convinced necessarily this is rape. Partly, it could be a, a question of their views on what the evidence is. So if, if for example, um, a, a victim was under the influence or of alcohol or was still these days with drugs, her recall is not good. Mm. And the police hate bad statements that are not perfectly lined up and and they instantly instantly would say we can't go forward with this Uh, so that that's 50 percent of cases that are dropped there yeah and if you make it through that stage it goes to the department of justice and uh, department of justice looks at the whole case and again look at what the chances of winning is if they feel the chances of conviction is not good enough or meet their threshold, they don't want to go forward. Yeah. So, so there's you, not you, you get this attrition at every yeah. stage, which also means there's there's very little deterrent for a mm. perpetrator to to you know not go ahead, you know, because they probably think, well, I'm not going to get, she's not going to report it, or mm. she's not going to be able to prove it. I, I don't want to look at it that way, but I think one, one of the situation is uh, with rape by strangers, reporting generally is good, 
conviction generally is better because everyone believes her. Mm. But one of the things that we've noted is in Hong Kong and actually around the world, generally it's someone you know. Uh, It may actually be someone you're involved in a relationship with, but you're not quite ready yet to take that step. And he he pushed it. So there's often a lot of doubt about well oh, did, did i get chick- did she chicken out in the last minute or, or and for her surprisingly i mean even for the victim herself we've heard enough instances where she worries about what will happen to him no, he might lose his job. Wow. He, he might not be able to go to university. Wow. So, empathy for the exactly for the perpetrator uh, because it is someone she knows, mm. and she, she also blames herself. Did I give him the wrong signal? Mm, exactly right. Uh, and there again, you go back to society's of views on what victims are supposed to do. You know, everything is black and white, which is obviously not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don't, let's take a quick break and we'll return to this uh, riveting uh, chat after the 2.30 news uh, with Professor Bay and also Dorian Lau from Amnesty International. And restrictions must be in place when community security is at stake. He was speaking after the arrest on sedition charges of the Central and Western District Council Chairwoman Cheng Lai King. She's now on bail and has not yet been charged. I'll have more news at three o'clock. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these measures to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus in the community. For more information on fighting the virus, visit chp.gov.hk. Do you want to help contribute to a better Hong Kong? You can do that by registering as an elector, so you can vote in the Legislative Council elections in September. Hi, I'm singer-songwriter Kelly Jackie. Let's all be sure to make our voices heard in the 2020 Legislative Council elections. Remember to update your further details. If you are already a registered elector, but you need to change your particulars like your address, be sure to do so by the April 2nd deadline. If you need to apply for a change of registered address, you'll need to submit some proof as well. Find out more on the official website at voterregistration.gov.hk or call 2891-1001. Welcome back. You're listening to The Agenda Cafe this afternoon on The 123 Show with me, Karen Ko and Noreen Mir. And today we're talking about uh, the pretty heavy topic of sexual violence um, in the wake of both the Harvey Weinstein sentencing and the hanging last week of the men convicted of the rape in India back in 2012. And we've been talking with Dr. Philip Bay, who's Associate Professor in the Department of Pathology at the University of Hong Kong, and also Dorian Lau, who's China Research 
researcher from Amnesty International. So before the break, we were getting quite a detailed lowdown on what happens in Hong Kong um, if there is a rape and the process and the services available to, to victims. Dorian, you focus on China. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is the situation there and, and the legal procedure and also services available for victims? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, mainland China, I think um, right now I would say the situation has improved, um, like Dr. Ben mentioned. But um, still, I think... Um, Oftentimes, it's also about how people um, see this kind of um, crimes and uh, harassment. So um, if we look at look back at the Me Too movement, um, we could see that, um, especially in universities, there are a lot of people, a lot of students who spoke up about um, the sexual harassment they um, experienced when they studied. And you, you could see, the, um, especially the alumni community, actually mobilized really quickly uh, to, to, to support to to support the the survivor and say I believe you because um sometimes like we've discussed before it's extremely important extremely difficult um, for survivor to talk about um, the experience because there's just so many backlash even they would then they doubt, doubt themselves you know have I done something wrong what about the person because in many of these cases last year um uh, for example the one in um Peking University uh is the person's professor is a supervisor so it's mm-hmm. very difficult for them to talk about it and um but the the the, the outcome of some of these cases were not great because um especially i think in mainland china um um, it wasn't easy for people to speak freely. Um, so a lot of people actually faced repercussions for speaking up and even su- just supporting uh, the survivor. So, for example, um, when they did a lot of petitions, online petitions for these survivors, a lot of them were um, um, were questioned by the police or their family were actually mm-hmm. uh, 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 requested to, to, to meet with the police. So they will tell them, you know, don't, don't do that anymore. Um, or else there will be certain certain consequence. Um, so it's difficult for them to speak up and to mobilize. And I think um, also um, in the process of dealing with these um, allegations, um, oftentimes police do not have the training. And also um, that it's, uh, I think we have mentioned this a little bit before, um, that's reputation. Mm. You know, oftentimes it's about, or oh, what about the men's, rep- or, or the, the perpetrators, um, it, oftentimes, uh, oftentimes men, mm-hmm. you know, what about their reputation? What about the job, you know? Uh, mm. So um, it's not just the police, also in, in, in workplace. Um, actually in China, it's very, very difficult to claim compensation in um, a sexual harassment case because um, a lot of times the police officer and also the, uh, the judges, they're all, all men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I, I think the gender stereotype is a little bit more um, um, entrenched uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, than in Hong Kong. So um, it's difficult for them to get help and also to um, present the case in court and also then for people to recognize um, that the harm that's actually have been done. So you'd probably say that whatever statistics come out of China are grossly underreported. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think... Um, uh, I don't have the exact statistic right now with me now, but um, there have been studies uh, uh, that have been done by a lot of uh, really great scholars that have cited oftentimes it's um, not reported or even um, that they they don't feel comfortable to um, talk to people around them. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so they so they're, they're not really in uh, a very good situation in China in terms of the, openness either. It's not surprising. Uh, I think one one thing that always baffles me is. You, you you click you go online, you know college rape, it's everywhere. Uh, if you look at the U.S., 
in Hong Kong, you don't hear about it. No. It's not even talked about. Mm-hmm. And are you telling me it doesn't happen? It can't be true. Mm-hmm. No, and, and with China, it's probably even worse. It's just not discussed. Yeah. Do people feel shamed uh, if they report it, or is it because it's so difficult to to be heard that they don't bother reporting it? Um, I think trust is a very important um, um, element, you know, in in terms of um, how comfortable people feel when they want to report something like that, or even just talk about this to people around them. Mm. And um, in situation, for example, in universities or in workplace, um, they uh, they receive uh, no support at all. Um, there is very uh, little training when uh, when it comes to sexual harassment or sexual assault. Um, so I think um, definitely that the, the the element of trust and also another thing um, I think shame also because uh, again you know with the gender stereotype it's it's um, it's very difficult for uh, a woman um, usually a woman yeah. uh, to talk about um, the experience of being sexually harassed or assaulted. In, yeah, openly. It must be shame because yeah. if your best friend, who's a woman, who told you she'd been raped on campus mm. as a friend, you tell her you've got to report it. You mm. know, so she must not be that the the victim must just be so ashamed mm. that she's not sharing with anybody. You know, her family, her friends, mm. and just mm. keeping it to herself. It, it, well, it it still happens in Hong Kong, although we have improved slightly in that. Uh, there have been some victims who are prepared to come out publicly mm-hmm. to tell about their experiences. Uh, not a lot, but uh, at least it's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see for, even from like the Harvey Weinstein case, the, those um, assaults went back so many years mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. many women kept mm-hmm. silent for 20 mm-hmm. 30, 15 mm-hmm. years. And, and then they're asked in public, well, why didn't you tell anybody? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to... The lack of understanding of, mm. of this is something I can probably never tell anyone mm. unless I, you know, am willing to put my whole life and my well reputation basically on the line. their their career exactly. and and even now I think there's still a lot of questions as to how many more had been you know, attacked or assaulted and mm. decided to just keep quiet. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, one thing that's interesting is you know there are always subsets of people who are more vulnerable and Mm -hmm. and times when people are more vulnerable minorities during times of crisis Mm -hmm. um you know during wars refugee crises natural disasters of course hong kong had we had our own crisis last year with Mm -hmm. the protests and dorian i understand that amnesty has been looking into incidences of sexual violence that happened during that time so can you tell us more about that yeah um actually we have um been collecting uh, testimonies and also uh, came across cases of um, protesters uh, being sexually harassed uh, or assaulted when they when they joined the protest or protest related activities in the, in last year. Um, I think the situation is very difficult because, um, um, like the survey um, done by Rain Lily, um, I think uh, last year. Um, Actually, there are different types of um, sexual violence, you know, from just uh, from verbal abuse to um, gang rape. Um, so the situation is very, very uh, serious. But um, according to uh, some of the conversations we had with um, different people, we found that um, the difficulties that is already um, that already exists in the system is like has become even more difficult for them. Say, for example, um, in the previous session, we talked about people going to hospitals, but in the context of a protest, a lot of them actually 
did not want to go to hospitals mm. um, because they didn't want to be arrested in the hospital. And even though um, I, 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 I do not know whether the person has been um, engaging in any unlawful activities, but the fact that if some, someone was hurt, um, the fact that mm. they did not want to go because uh, you know they, they were scared that mm. they, they could be in trouble uh, or just be arrested. Um, and that's, that's something very um, difficult. And then the other thing is... Um, uh, also reaching out to NGOs, for example, like Rain Lily. Um, for some of the protesters that uh, I've uh, spoken to, they didn't reach out to NGOs just because they didn't know who to talk to. So I think mm. that's also um, awareness. They didn't know like what, what uh, which NGO would be the, the best choice. And also mm. just the fact that because they were in the protest, they did not want to um, share the experience with someone they don't trust. Um, so most of the time... Um, uh, they would share with people in the community. For example, we've heard that they were volunteer first aiders or volunteers doctors. So they, with that small community, then they would reach out and try to, um, um, well, they used the word resolve the issue. But again, what do we mean by resolving the issue? Mm. Does that no mean justice? Yeah. yeah. What about justice? What about reporting? And um, mm. I think the um, uh, report um, published by Rain Lily also highlighted that a lot of people just didn't have the confidence. And, and, even before the protest, people did not have the confidence, mm. you know, especially, you know, now with the protest, um, mm. um, it's, it's become more difficult, uh, it's becoming more difficult. And mm. the fact that when you when you look at this, and then coupled by the fact that um, there's a lot of evidence pointing to um, arbitrary arrest by the police, meaning that you can just be on the site, and then you can be arrested, which means um, no matter like, if the person maybe the person may be just um, joining a peaceful protest, and um, the person can be um, arrested, so it, it adds on to the the fear, you know. Mm. And 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 we truly believe that it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. I should say that, um, you know, when the person is, um, it doesn't matter what situation the person was in. You know, as the, mm. as long as the person has been sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, the they person, should be yeah, they able should. to come out and yeah, and yeah. Mm. seek justice exactly, and yeah. not be scared of the repercussions because yeah. the two should be separate. Yeah, yeah. or even just medical help. You know, yeah. absolutely. That, that 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 was the problem. Uh, I I, were, I got sort of information from different channels and alleging different incidents. And I keep saying, look, they need to come forward to to get mm-hmm. help. Now, whether they successfully actually uh, lodge a complaint or, or get it to court is is one thing. Uh, I was hoping that if enough come forward, mm-hmm. we get a pattern. And then we, uh, we we can see exactly what is going on. Is it the lone wolf police officer mm. or is there actually a systematic you know, way of doing things, you know, be it at a police station level or at a troop level yeah. that, yeah. you know, this particular group are out to do this to, you know, to, to, to intimidate. Yes. Well, yeah. let's talk about, you know, mm. Sanok Ling, for example, mm. is, is mm. a holding center uh, located in Shengshui. Mm. And we've heard horror stories mm. of how protesters were arrested by policemen, locked up their uh, strip naked search. These are all sort mm. of allegations. Mm. And there's no way we can verify it. Here, here's the truth. You know, the, mm. there's no CCTV mm. in, in the room. So a lot of these are sort of hearsay, but these mm. are words from protesters mm. who yeah. have said they've been raped, they've been uh, searched uh, naked, they've mm. been uh, gang raped, mm. they have been um, uh, uh, sexually uh, sodomized. Yeah. Um, so 
what can be done to help these people at least investigate mm. what happened? I, I think ultimately, unless the individuals do come forward and we do get some sense of details, um, then we're going nowhere. Mm. Um, and that's why it's actually very important to, to support and to, to provide support for victims. And one very brave lady, Sonia Ng, who mm. I know Amnesty International has also interviewed and worked closely with, she's come out, she's a Chinese university student, she's come out to say she was uh, violated sexually mm. in Sanukling. Um, I think she received 8,000 signatures from mm. Chinese universities supporting her as well. Uh, where's this investigation going? I mean, it's sort of at a at a standstill and she's sort of the only person who came mm. out using her real name. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. actually really, really brave of her to do this. Mm. And um, like um, in her interview, she mentioned she faced a lot of black backlash, you know, like all the mm. cyberbullying and mm. yeah, all these really tedious comments. Um, but like you said, you know, it's um, what's the next step? And um, I think one very, very important thing is, um, like Dr. Bear mentioned, it's about support, you know, whether it's not just support for um, survivors of sexual violence, but also the fact that people do not trust the system. It, yes. it, bring, it sort of ties in with the bigger issue of, of all the things, you know, it's not just sexual violence, but all different types of human rights violations that ha happened last year. People don't trust the system. The current investigation, uh, investigative mechanisms does not do not work. Um, so a lot of people have been asking for an independent investigation. You know, like a system. People say people think you know the public would say this is something we can trust. Because if the police yes. are the alleged perpetrators, yeah. how can they can't, the, in, they they can't investigate, investigate themselves? themselves. It, it is sad because yeah. uh, our system was built in such a way that everything is channeled to the police, mm. and until the incidents last year, the police did enjoy a reasonable level of trust. Right. I mean, there, yes. there were some issues, but mm. uh, they were generally still trusted. Mm. But, Great reputation, you know, yeah. since the ICAC yeah. came in, you yeah. know, yeah. our police force. But everything is lost changed. now. And um, unfortunately, it's going to take a long while. Uh, so in the case of those people who have alleged, um, you know, these violations, do is there a, a path for them? Is there a legal path at least? Um, because you know, obviously, they they don't feel like there is there are many places for them to go mm. to have any kind of uh, restitution or mm. even just to officially have their story told. Well, I think that that's the thing. Uh, if if uh, you know, bodies have taken detailed statements from them, have collected them. At a point where I suppose the atmosphere is right, it could be reviewed. And as I said earlier, you know, are there patterns that we can identify? And again, you know, everywhere around the world, we, we would love to see that every incident is, is dealt with, but often with huge events, long lasting events, you may not. But we should be learning from it. No, if there is systematic issues, we need to address that. Okay, if procedures are such that you know, they could be easily violated, then we need to look at how we can prevent that. So, I mean, a lot of the incidents weren't directly physical. There, there were those that were sodomized that alleged they were raped, but a lot of them were intimidation. So they were stripped 
No, they, no, they were stripped naked, naked for no reason, no reason mm. yeah. and, and left naked you know, and things like that. So yeah. th- those are just abuse of power, abuse of procedures. And is, there, is Hong Kong um, under, for example, you know, United Nations human rights um, yeah. standards Actually, when it comes to... Well, I mean, these are not... Pri- are they prisoners or are they... They're detainees. Actually, the... Um, the, there are two UN treaty bodies that have been advocating for a reform of the police investigation system for decades. They have made comments after comment because um, you just asked um, what, what what happened, you know, if someone wants to file a complaint. Well, they go to the complaint against police office, which is under the police, and then they do all the investigation and then it will be reviewed by the Independent Police Complaint Council, which does not have the power to carry its own investigation, does not have the power to alter the outcome of the investigation. They can only say, this looks problematic, please go back and check. Um, and that's all they can say. And if you look at the figures um, um, in the past few years, it's really, really low um, uh, uh, prosecution rate. There's only, if I remember correctly, like one police officer that was actually prosecuted. Um, and if you, But if you look at the types of allegations, there were police beating up uh, uh, detainees, there were assaults, there was um, uh, 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 falsified statements, there are different types of things. So um, what we can see is a very, very um, problematic system that does not only not re- uh, address the problem of abuse of power by the police. You know, if there, there's any right, that the investigative system just doesn't work. So, like Dr. Bess said, um, if we want to really change it, then it has to be very uh, uh, institutional. You know, there mm. should be institutional changes. Yeah. And why is there no incentive to change it? I mean, you know, this should be something that if Hong Kong wants to be Asia's world city, uh, leading international centre of global standards, this because is one thing that should be up there, right? They'd have to admit that they're at fault at first. <laughs> exactly. I think the there is inten- incentive to improve. However, um, it's at their own pace mm. and when it serves what they want. So, for example, when when I sort of suggested, why don't we have a a, a sexual assault unit like what some of the U- U.S. police forces do, mm-hmm. and they could focus on just doing sexual assault and even domestic violence, that would just about have the right caseload to keep them busy and the proper training for those exactly. officers uh, because Rainy Lee ha- 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 have been involved for the last twenty years trying to sensitize police officers at police training academy here in Hong Kong and uh, when you're doing it it seems to work but unfortunately even those individuals who seem to be better after two years they shift they, they're rotated mm-hmm. somewhere else they're not doing that job anymore so no continuity yeah so there, there's no real um, way you could maintain that mm-hmm. no and, and that's the problem uh, no, so it needs to be someone top down who's prepared to challenge, champion this, and prepared to say, "Look, we're not bad, but we're going to improve." And I, I would say this: Hong Kong, in many ways, if you compare it to a lot of countries, we're not bad, but that's the problem. Yeah, no. we're not prepared we're to make enough. it better. We're, we're not, not bad pre- enough, so then we're not going to improve. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, the thing is. Before the show, Dr. Bear, we were talking and you were saying that, you know, we have a female chief executive, a female, um, you know, chief justice and a female uh, health secretary. And still, 
this issue just seems to be nowhere on their list. I don't know what else we need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes maybe it's not women championing no, women's it's rights. Not. It's sometimes, you know, well, like yourself, you're you're a gentleman and, and you're also, you know, championing <laughs> women's rights. Uh, definitely a topic we need to revisit another time. We're out of time today, but thank you so much uh, to our wonderful guests uh, this afternoon. Dorian Lau, who's the China researcher from Amnesty International, and also uh, Dr. Philip Bay, an associate professor from the Department of Pathology at the University of Hong Kong. And also thank you very much to Karen Ko, our co-host. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on.